Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer and try Peloton risk-free with Peloton Rentals at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. On May the 25th, 2020, George Floyd, a 46-year-old black man in Minneapolis, was killed by the police. Now, How to Kill an Hour is a black-owned and black-presented podcast. And we obviously, like the rest of the world, have been affected by seeing something like this happen. When really this kind of shit should not be. Um, There's a lot of conversation that Funk and Dev and myself and and other presenters in and around How to Kill Now have been having about this situation so we thought we would record an episode to explore this uh we have provided resources if you'd like to learn more about how you can help the black lives matter movement throughout the show we mention a number and there's also a link which shows you a great way that you can donate even if you haven't got a penny in your pocket to black lives matter campaigns all over the world and also there's links to resources that will help you educate yourself and others with regards to what should be pretty simple anyway here's the episode for you thank you in advance for listening uh hello dev something as well uh yes frank how you doing easy easy yeah i'm trapped in the car today Sound sounds very, uh, what's it called? Um, absorbent in there. Sounds very dead in there. Yeah. It's very good. Car's a good place <laughs> to record. Um, so yeah, we're going to take a, a detour from our usual kind of show content. Today, you know, the date that we're recording this is the 5th of June, 2020. And there's a lot going on that we are going to discuss in today's show. Um, and I think this kind of leads on from conversations that I've been having with both you, Frank, and Dev, and the world's been having with each, with each other at the moment. and it's there's a lot I think we want to get through to the, today, and I think Dev, you would you, we were having a conversation the other day, right? Yeah, so <clears throat> it it was a, it was a weird conversation and it was a quick one. Yeah, but we spoke to each other about how do we address what's happening in the news? That the the usual way people see us is in quite entertaining fashion, very lighthearted. We're DJs, we're presenters, we're entertainers. And that it almost felt because of that capacity, uh, maybe we weren't able to, to, to speak on some of these things, that it wasn't really our place. But actually that in itself is worth a conversation that where do we stand as, as black entertainers? You know, 
I don't want to be just a, a sort of one-dimensional person who's, you know, does a little tap dance and then I'm not allowed to really like, say or do anything else. But it also feels with this issue in particular, we can't really look the other way. That we look like the people this is happening to. We are black people. We, we realise that it, it, in this industry, we maybe have a responsibility to speak out against these kind of things. So this feels like a really good way of doing it is to just have conversations, not pointing our fingers, not getting angry, certainly getting passionate, but just having a conversation about it. 100%. And uh, also, Funk, I think we've also been having a few conversations over the last few days as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, my personality as well, I've kind of been... I've been banging this drum for, for quite a while now. So it's what's the, the difference between 2020 and what's happened with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And it's, it's more a case of it's been the perfect storm where ordinarily people would have a means to escape into their work or to their family life or um, take a holiday somewhere. And now they, they can't. Now, yeah, there's no distraction whatsoever. Dev. So like what Dev was saying, it's almost as if it, it, it's the perfect environment to have this conversation because ordinarily, if you were to have this conversation in an office or with a mate on their way home or, or, uh, or days later, there could be numerous activities which will enable them to, to kind of forget that, that conversation. This keeps everyone on the subject, on topic, and it has to be. It has to be the case because the way I look at it, a lot of these problems, there's a common thread which runs through it. And I think that's why when you look at the, the images coming out of America, coming out of Berlin, um, um, London, New Zealand, even, the diverse of mix of people involved in the protest, which is very, very different from it was in the, in the 60s and the 50s, is because a lot of people now, since that period of time, have an emotional investment to someone who is black and they feel compelled to speak up now because emotionally, it's the, the situation is, is very emotive. And I feel that, I mean, I've had, I've had so many phone conversations over the past couple of days um, some of it is because um, now more more so than ever, the things I've been saying online on, on using my, my Twitter are resonating a little bit more. And it's not to capitalise on that moment in, the, in terms of um, a certain guilt onto the individual who's actually reaching out and wants to learn a bit more. It's now saying you can show your commitment by being committed to a solution. Not, I don't, we don't want an apology now. Not even money can solve this problem. We, we, we've gone past that point, right? Now it's about solutions. And the solutions largely are going to be um, in the hands of the people who basically cause this problem. And there are certain power structures, like what Dev was alluding to, that as, as free black broadcasters, who've obviously we've we've kind of converged to know each other at different stages of our life we don't you find it quite strange how we all know the rules of the game 
You can come from that side. We've, ne we've never had a conversation about it either. Never, never. Non this is this is non no no script nothing. This isn't like you can you can check our backgrounds. Yeah, we've we've met via uh, our industries of work. Yet we know what we can and we can't do because that's just a common thread which runs through the industry. And I don't think that exists in the spaces of white, our respective white peers, where one white peer would go to another white peer and say, oh, did you know that you can't do that? They'll be like, no, I, I can do that. I can do that if I wanted to. There's the parameters and, 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 and the model is different based on, I, I, I don't even know what it's based on really, but there's a lot more freedom of movement and expression, whereas we all know there's certain things that we can't talk about. And we all know the things that we can talk about to kind of get us into spaces and get us notable and, and, and whatnot. This is, it's probably one of the reasons why it is actually called the game because there, there seems to be rules to it when it applies to us. That's why we kind of, you kind of hear it in, in industry talk from people in, in, in certain spaces. Oh, play the game, play the game, play the game. Because literally certain moves, certain, subject matters certain positioning you will get awarded points in your career and those points will elevate you into certain spaces but like i said that in itself is a problem because a game has restrictions and if we're part of the game and we and it's a case of okay we're playing the game at some stage we're going to get to a point where for example for example football we want to bring on a fourth sub you can't do that I want to bring on 12 players instead of 11. You can't do that because there is still rules to this game and those rules apply to us. So after a while, you kind of go through the motions and, you, and, you, and, and the problem I think I find, and people have said to me, I've had, I've had loads of amazing people, people really close to me, and they've said to me, you need to, you need to commodify this. You need, you, you, stop giving them so to speak the establishment who who benefit um from our circumstances our, our 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 plight our frustrations stop giving them the means to to change things for free the reason why this is so important to me and it's got nothing to do with money and it's important for uh marcus it's important for you dev as well is because we understand that generations on in regards to being able to get those opportunities, they start from these conversations. It's, it's the opportunities. We are really talking because we don't want handouts. We just want the ball at our feet as many times as you get the ball at our feet to take as many shots and go. And, and that's, the, that's the difference in, in, the, in this whole circumstance where I feel, you feel, we, we all feel the energy is completely different. This isn't yeah. some sort of um, uh, facade. We're not, we're not manifesting this through, through content or whatever or, or keeping this here. We have a very um, innate ability through our, our, our various disciplines to read the mood of a nation. We're, 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 we're part of the media. And we obviously get feedback from our, uh, um, the people who are engaged with us as to kind of what mood they're on. Do you like in that audience? Do you like in this audience? Like, everyone seems very angry at the moment. So everyone is, everyone is on that, that frequency of 
we're tired of we're, we're actually tired of 2019. We're tired of 2020. We we were at <laughs> we were at the 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 past it point when we got told we had to stay indoors for X amount of days. Now we're here. No, no, no. Now you're taking the birdies. So it's again. I don't really want to get caught into the the narrative of 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 how it affects me because it's per- because there's no end to the resources available to someone who is white to find out how this affects a black person. They can do that. It's now it's about progressive, 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 progressive talk to make sure that we learn from this, we use this as as a real foot up to to get into a place of of um of of just decency and fairness it's just been unfair really the fact that for for what you've you've just disclosed that's going to shock some people because their perception of of um of of your level in the field is that you have complete freedom and autonomy and I've I've been the same. I'm just like, well, no, actually, I can't play your record, or I can't do this, so I can't. And they're just like, why? Why can't you? Why? And they don't understand that the further you ascend within the game, the rules don't really apply. No. I mean, we had we had an instance instance um, a couple years back where I think LeBron James was getting um, racist graffiti on the wall of his house, and it's just like, if if multi-millionaires can't escape that in their in their closed um, in their gated communities, then the conversation has to happen here because well, money money doesn't seem to be the place to to escape it either. There's so many like, interesting points that you're, you're you're bringing up there. These the, the situations at the moment have made me check a lot of my own my own conditioning. And thinking a lot about my first reactions to things. And one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation today was to try and be as honest as possible. And one of my first reactions was I didn't want to say anything. Because you get given you get given the feeling, and sometimes this is said to you directly, sometimes this is said to you in very subtle ways, that as you climb the ladder, as it were, in this industry that you're lucky to be there. Mm. And we've allowed you to this level, but you're replaceable. Mm-hmm. And the general perception from a lot of people, not all obviously, but a lot of people, is that if you are a brown face, or you're a black person in an area that is largely white in entertainment, that the reason you're there is to tick a box or it's because of diversity. It can't be because of your talent, that that is somehow taken away from you. That, But the reason that is so hard to unpack for some people and it's, it's so painful is the unspoken thing amongst us as black people in this industry is, well, we feel we have to work twice as hard for half as yeah. much. So to then on top of that be told that the only reason you've had any level of success is because somebody wanted to tick a box or because somebody wanted to go, oh, look, look, at, how, look at how diverse we are. That, that equally doesn't make me f- feel good. When, um, who was it the other day? Was it Fred Perry or someone like that who had the, all the 
all the black models on uh, on one of their campaigns. Yeah, it was. Okay. It, it was. I don't want. I don't want to get the wrong brand, but um, let me just check that. That's uh, a yeah. That's a confusing one because on one hand, that's that's great to see black faces and and everybody represented. Yeah. But I'm also, you know, part of me knows that the reason they did that is to score some points and say, look at us guys, and we. So I'm kind of torn. I'm kind of torn either way, but I know that I'm also conditioned through this industry to not be allowed to speak out about how mm. to feel embarrassed. There's a situation you both know exactly what I'm talking about and probably a lot of people listening to this as well. As a black person, when you walk into a professional environment and you're not treated as a, as a professional equal, I'm talking about as a 35-year-old man, I can still walk into a meeting and still instead of a handshake, I'm offered a fist or some stupid... Yeah. Flipping, <laughs> and again to try and unpack to that person how disrespectful that you know I don't know you like that you know you don't you know you know my boy is saying hello to me at a barbecue we're in a we're 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 in a meeting right now but mm-hmm. I feel embarrassed to try and tell that person about you know you're not really supposed to do that and but then when do you start having that conversation and when do you let that person know it's yeah. exhausting to constantly yeah. have to check somebody or remind somebody but then when does that happen uh, yeah i think that's a that's a really good point and and i mean there's a few things that you both touched on there especially with regards to what you said about being made to feel as if in some ways you know you should you should just be happy that you're here in certain yeah. situations and 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 <laughs> on on top of that Whilst the, whilst that's something in your mind and, and you're and you're being treated like that and e- even um I think as we've all kind of travelled through our, our paths in the media we've all like like a good a good point Frank said we all have experienced things and it's almost there's a shared knowledge um, of experiences without us even having to discuss these things and the fact that there's similarities between those is a big pointer and it should be a big pointer towards others that are hearing this if 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 you are not black and you're hearing this and you're thinking, how, how can all these guys be pretty much in line with each other when they've not discussed this much? Cause we have had conversations like this, but I'd say we haven't had enough of a conversation about this guys. Um, which leads on to another point is, is when we do start discussing this openly and, and outwardly. And I've, I would like to say that in person, I've never been afraid to have the conversation one-on-one or, or talk with my peers about this. But in terms of there being more, to say out there online and, and, and amongst others and, and with white and black people is it's, it's something that's that I've, I feel more compelled to do and I, and I, and I will do more. And, and I feel like there is more all of us can do. And I think Dev, you dropped a tweet the other day, which I can relate to, which was, you know, hard to articulate yourself through anger and frustration and, and feel like a coward for not speaking up. And I'll be honest with you guys. I've I've called like Frank will attest to this. I've called Frank before when there's been situations before the ongoings over the last fortnight, and I've said Frank, I, I want to I want to do more. Like how how should I do more? Like what should I do to do more? I feel I feel like mm. I want to I want to lift more. I want to carry more people. I want to I want to put us in a more positive light. I want to put us in rooms where we're not being addressed in in the ways that kind of Dev mentioned, and and I feel like there is a shift, and I feel like that we are empowering each other. The more that we openly have conversations and, and put, 
put, uh, you know, for example, there's been a lot of social media today, uh, like I said, the 5th of June, where people have been talking to brands saying, right, well done for you putting up your post with the white text and the black background. Yeah. Now what? When are you going to start sharing the figures for diversity mm. within your workplace? And yeah. I feel like the more that we all talk and have conversations <clears throat> like this and aren't afraid of having these conversations, the more it's going to pass on and, and, and help others. And, you know, I, I feel like by supporting each other like this, we can have this conversation. And, and I, I don't feel awkward having this conversation now, but <clears throat> I feel like it should be something that we should be ha- happier to be free, having free-flowing speech about and sharing with others. Because uh, another point that people have been sharing, and, and I think you guys can attest to this, is there's been conversations where people have been talking about well if i if i have if i'm openly talk about supporting uh for example you know black lives matter movement what does what's that going to do to my following i'm gonna you know is that is that going to put me in a place where i'm not as attractive to others that conversation has has been going around and i think both of you have kind of touched upon that over the last few days yeah um i think what has happened and again black people aren't the monolith so uh, that's that's the first thing uh, it seems to be that's that's 100 that seems to be a slogan which gets knocked around and the reason why i say that is because <clears throat> white people who may be listening to the show um white professionals who work in in the industry they need to understand that even when you do get that one black person <laughs> <laughs> to tick your box, to tick your quota of diversity in your company, that one black person does not represent all of us. And that's what's happened. Because from, I guess, the outside looking in, there's a universal trauma which unites all of us. That can be misconstrued as we all think the same. Okay? All right. There's your Kanye West and then there's people like me. Uh, I, I don't agree with the stuff that he says and he probably wouldn't agree with the stuff that I'm about. And that's fine, yeah? Because I've had to learn through the, 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 the kind of the lovely idea um, kind of sold to me in this country of multiculturalism and acceptance that... I accept people, even if they are on the other um, spectrum of of of, of ideologically of, of their their um, their positioning. Now, there has to be a considerable amount of learning which has to take place to understand the length and breadth of the discussion because once you begin to understand, I had this conversation with you, Marcus, the other day on the phone. Once you begin to understand that what is, I guess, on a broad, on a broad scale of things, unacceptable from a, from a black person, then you need to click on the filter, right? Which then brings down another drop down menu, which says, what kind of black person are we talking to? Are we talking to a Jamaican? Are we talking to a Nigerian? Are we talking to a Ugandan? Are we talking to Zimbabwean? Are we talking to South African? Are we talking to Nigerian? Are we... And that's the point at which, again, they need to further their learning. Okay? This is not a game for them to play 
to push through to protect brand image. Yep. They need to not see this as a game anymore because how black people and black culture has been leveraged is that this is the aesthetic, the Trojan horse to get me into the economy and to get me into that, into that financial space. Okay. And I'm not really a money orientated person. As long as I need to pay my bills, that's fine. I need to be in a fair situation. That is not fair because what it does is that it's obviously restricted the level of discussion that it's prepared to have with me based on where the company or where the brand it needs to get to. It's got nothing, nothing else to do with that. So that's probably why I know some of my tweets over the forthcoming days and weeks it's going to get into a fight and other people are going to get into a fight with their bosses and their establishments because then you'll, you'll begin to see that the real mark of a change is that uncomfortable situation. We've been uncomfortable for years. Since we were born, we've been uncomfortable. And we've had to adapt to the environment that we found ourselves in and now it's the turn of the establishment who kind of we, we operate within to now feel uncomfortable. They have to make a very, um, um, well, I guess it's tough for them. They're leveraging their, their economic and financial positions against our societal and, 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 our, and our mental and our just, just our well-being as a, as a community. And it's just those two things at stake. And then you're going to see over the coming weeks and months who values what. Are there people, are there brands who are prepared to have a little less of the pie, maybe even, even quite a, a bit less of the pie to reach this objective? So it's, it's, going, to be, it's going to be interesting to see. Very interesting to see. Yeah, it's going, to, it's, going to, it's going to be very, very, very interesting to see because... People can dig in their heels. People can um, 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 lay claim that they're, they're committed to um, change. Not just us. This isn't, the, the, the difference with this time around is there wasn't social media. There were, this is a collective effort. This is going to be the Marcus Bonzies. This is going to be the devs. This is going to be the funk butchers. This is, this is going to be the John Boyegas. This is going to be the sideman officials. This is going to be the... Um, um, on, online, uh, Whitney Boateng. There's going to be all these other uh, people in their respective fields pushing. But the difference is there's also going to be white people in their respective fields pushing also. There's not going to be a poster boy this time around, like a, a Malcolm or a Martin. This is going to be a community of people who force in their respective areas to change. Because it's, it's, if we allow it to fall on the shoulders of one person, then unfortunately, if, if, you, if you attack the head of that, that movement, the rest of it crumbles. The if there's one why, thing we know that they do, the, the powers that be do know how to leverage social media to do that. We've seen that a number of times. Yeah. And I see my mm -hmm. little tinfoil hat on, but you know, yep. Yep. Um, yep. We've, see, we've seen it happen. And yeah, that's a very good point. Sorry to cut you over, you fun, but you know, if, if there is one thing that's really powerful about that is the fact that if there is, is like a combined you know, movement from us. There is no, like you said, one head 
that you know once no. that or one person once that person is out of the picture oh you know we can all go back to behaving how we were before yeah yeah so it is literally it's it's a case this it has to just multiply multiply you elevate you back one another because we're all moving towards the same overall objective which is fairness yeah so a, a lot of a lot of my a lot of my my tweets and my talk is is about a a fairer society not in a kind of a, a, a hippie way or um a, a, a bleeding heart socialist kind of way it's it's literally just leveling the opportunities out for everyone for everyone and the problem is is that what the covid lockdown has shown is that even if you did have the white complexion the white skin tone you were suffering too the moment someone like dominic cummins um, who has been in the news recently and he said something where he saw the rules he interpreted them this way so he did it and a lot of us were like hold on but but how was he allowed to do that then you wait for him to be checked so like, okay well He's, he's not the top guy, so he's going to get in trouble for this eventually. And he, he doesn't get the red card. And he's just like, this is interesting. And, and it's obviously because we, we've kind of operated in a, in a, um, a society where people learn off the, the examples of one another. I mean, that's, we've always been told to act in an in a, in a exemplary fashion to, to show how we are as, as people, as a society, just show kindness and give kindness. The moment you get a, the game and people are start dishing out two-footed challenges and, and no one's getting sent off. I mean, I've played Sunday League for ages. Once the referee has lost control of the, the situation, it's pandemonium. Mm. So we're, we're, we're kind of at that, that stage now where the context of it, it the, the, the gravity of, of the moment, I, I feel it. This isn't, this doesn't even feel like um, what happened with, with Stephen because Stephen's one, it shook the nation, yet we, we felt powerless because we didn't even really see any results from it. The, the, the justice that we wanted to see not just in, in regards to seeing his criminals, um, seeing the perpetrators go to prison, just the assurance that, hey, if I live in, in Elton and, and I'm a black kid and I don't have the money to move out of the area, am, am I safe? Am I safe here now? And because there were no real discussions, it's almost like, how do you, how do you begin to build any sense of confidence? 100%. And... I think in order to build confidence, we need to, the first step we need to take is, is, has been made by us. And I feel like I'm waiting for the actual first responses beyond like said social media campaigns I've seen from brands. And I, w I was going to say to you, Frank, like what, you know, in an ideal world, what do you think the next steps should be here? However small that might be, what what should we be realistically expecting right now? We're doing it, man. We're doing it. Mm. I think I think we're doing it. I've, I can't remember if it was 
if I, if I saw you tweet about it, Funk, like, forgive me, I've seen so many wonderful turns of phrase yeah. that have helped yeah. me process a lot of things that are going on. But someone said something like, two years ago, mental health was a dirty word. And it made every, and there's another word that I, I, uh, you mentioned, Funk, that I think is so vital in this, uncomfortable. Mental mm. health made people feel very uncomfortable. It was one of the things we weren't supposed to talk about, even just as yeah. friends, people you've known mm. all your life. It was the elephant in the room and the thing you were supposed to deal with on your own. I yeah. feel like there's a lot of parallels with being black in this country, being black in the world, that the reaction I've seen from, um, from that maybe, say, white middle England the reaction comes from being uncomfortable. Even just today, I don't know if you guys been on top of the Lee Francis Bo Selector stuff. Yeah. Yep, yep. Do Francis you want to put some context in there? Because he's because Devi's that was like 20 years ago. Some of our listeners well, are like you, 18 you, now, yeah. You, you say that. You say that. <laughs> yeah. But that has such a lasting legacy. In fact, yeah. I've got so much to say about it. even just this. I don't want to get too off topic, but I think it, is, it, all, it all comes around nicely, right? Because there's mm. a lot of very interesting things that I think we're going on with yeah. Bo Selector. And I, I, I want to say this as well, outright. I watched Bo Selector as a kid and I laughed my ass off and I thought it was fucking hilarious. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I, thought it was, I bought all the DVDs or whatever. I thought it was hilarious. And now I watch it as an adult and I say to myself, that's wrong. There's a, mm -hmm. there's a, lot, there's, there's a lot wrong with that. As well as Lee Francis blacking up and taking... A lot of like black icons or certainly people that the black community looked up to and ridiculing them. The underlying theme of that show was meanness. It was being really mean and ridiculing people with talent or, or who are on TV and certain individuals, Craig David especially, I'm just going to say it. There was something about how Lee went above and beyond to ridicule Craig. And he never said, Craig David has never said anything really about it. He never came out and said, fuck that guy. In fact, to me, Craig David's treatment, and if, and if he had of, if at any point Craig had come out and said, I don't like that, stop taking the piss out of me, that he would have been told, you don't know how to take a joke. Or, yeah. oh, he's yeah, around. It's just yeah, bands. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, some of the most offensive things that have been said to me or done to me, racist things have been under the guise of it was just a joke. They didn't mean it like that. We were just messing mm. around. That's not an, that's not an excuse. Um, but that, that situation there reminds me of situations I've had to face where I felt like I had to keep quiet and I wasn't allowed to say anything because I'm fighting against stereotypes. Within the industry, I know that I've had to constantly count to 10 because I don't want to be the black guy in the room yelling that something fucked up. Even though I might be looking like the idiot or whatever, I don't want to be the angry black guy in the room. I want to yeah. make sure that I get invited back and I, and, I, and I carry on working. Suppressing parts of my personality. Uh, but uh, the, the reaction, rather, to the, to, the, to the Bo Selector thing of, oh, it was just a joke and... Oh, it wasn't racist. Even bringing up white chicks as an example of, and I, again, I don't want to get too off topic and get into the why you know the punching up versus punching down or whatever. But if you ask me, I actually think it's all bullshit. I look back at it all and I think, oh, it's all cringy and none of that shit should have happened. But there was a time on British television 
when we had the black and white minstrel show, which was white people blacking up and mm. whatever you wanted to say, like it was, it was, it was under entertainment. We yeah. had a show called Love Thy Neighbor, which was yep. about a black family moving next door to a white family and the hilarious stereotypes that white people would think about the black families, bones and noses, all that, all that kind of shit. Time moved on and we looked back at it and when that was wrong, we need to do better. So I don't see why this situation is, maybe it's because you're taking something that people care about and we've sort of based our personalities on. You know, I've quoted Bo Selector a million times. Yeah. Uh, at some point, we have to realize we can't do that. We've got to do better. It's the same reason why you don't tell sexist jokes in the office because we come to a realization that makes people feel very uncomfortable. We need to do better. We shouldn't do that anymore. So yeah. uh, regards to your question, Marcus, about what do we do? What's the next step? I think this is it, man. Having those honest conversations that at first are going to make people feel very uncomfortable, but mm. slowly we'll start to check our behavior and be better people. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then following on from that, there has to be a framework where it just never happens again. And I think it happens before in the first place because when um, uh, the, the, the writers behind Bo Selector, when they take that to a room, pitch it, and it goes through, how does that happen? So there has to be people in those spaces who have enough, who have enough awareness to, to read the tone of what is acceptable and what isn't. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's almost like you can have these, um, um, these moments where um, I think there was a, there was a moment on, on, on Big Brother where they, it caused a situation where they were burning effigies in, in, in India. Of, and and it was, that was a racist incident as well. And it was almost like the newspapers here, the tabloids were shot. And I was just like, how, how can you be shot? Even at your level of, of journalism, where you should have a, a, a pretty much broader scope than us on our level. But I guess then it depends on the communities, those people who write, who operate in those spaces moving. If day to day to day to day to day, you don't talk to someone from India, someone from, from Bangladesh, someone from Pakistan, someone from Ghana, someone from Nigeria, someone from all these places, you won't pick up the culture that you should know that because you're entering into. The most criminal aspect of it, because we've, we worked in, we work in broadcasting, but we largely work in the, in the areas of the black music industry as well, is how much of that is happening in the black music industry where it's so tone deaf. And I say it's so tone deaf to the point where me, I'm not, I'm not a rapper by any stretch of the imagination, but I know exactly what to rap about to get famous. And I know that if I try to rap about I love Jesus, I love helping old gr grannies across the street, um, um, rap about even mental health, yeah? Someone would come back from me from these labels and tell me, no, you can't do that. But I'm happy, or I'll be allowed to, rather, rap about material which, which some may say glorifies. Let's just say it, it, it depicts me 
killing and attacking people who look like me. That is marketable. That will be happy to, to be sold. What comes back off this is that you get the message that because this is creating wealth in black communities, that this is fine. This is, this is, this is fine to do. This is fine to do. But then, if you have aspects where you get black artists and we say, we're, we're, we're talking our truth, we're talking our truth, okay, is racism and your experience is racism, is that part of your truth too? Of course it is. But they're not allowed to speak on it. <laughs> and, the, and so once you begin to unravel and expose the the nature of the of the hypocrisy as to what you're allowed to talk on because it benefits certain um, economic energies and others which they don't because they don't there's there's something very um um I, I, I can't find the word for it it's it's almost it's quite sadistic the way those aspects of our culture, the, the, the pain and the suffering is what they want to market. The, 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 the powers in those positions. That's, that's what, that's well, what's shocking. You, yeah. you, you also, by, by nature, when you work in this type of industry, chances are you're going to live in a big city, mm-hmm. multicultural, and it's very difficult to understand the climate of the whole country. So I think it goes both ways with those same people who tell you that racism doesn't exist in the countries because they don't see it. Same as, to me, the, the UK seems quite diverse because I live somewhere where I see people from all different walks of life. Um, so I have to check myself and, remi- and I, I think doing things on a national scale has reminded me of where the country is at. I saw firsthand the reaction to Dave's record, Black, when that came out. And that was maybe the first time I'd seen that level of, I don't really want to call it anger, but it made a lot of people very uncomfortable and a lot of people had things to say about it. Especially, Mm. what if that was a song about somebody talking about being white? And for me, it made me think about a lot of things, especially in my experience in this country growing up, that black was never something you were supposed to be proud of. You were never even really allowed to mention it. It's certainly something somebody else could. Somebody else could make a joke at your expense or if it, your blackness was a novelty, not something to be, not something to be proud of and not something you should like make a, you should make a song about, but that in itself, that by playing that song was somehow a political statement and controversial. The, the, the phrase Black Lives Matter is for some, somehow, again, through these conversations is why I'm trying to understand these things. Us just having this conversation, John Boyega saying, I might not have a career after I speak up about something like this. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think for, I, I agree with you completely. I, the, the only thing I would say is that we know because 
we are expected to know. So when, you, when you're on radio and you broadcast to the whole of the United Kingdom, you have an awareness that, for example, you wouldn't say on air, hey, how's everyone in Liverpool? Are you all reading the Sun newspaper? Because historically, you understand the relationship between that city, that establishment. And so we've all had to do our due diligence on the, the, the community that we're talking to and we're involved in. It hasn't happened. Mm. It hasn't been reciprocated. So me, I've never lived in Liverpool. I understand the, 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 the historical context between Rangers and Celtic. I understand that. But I'm not from, that, from, from Scotland. So how am I able to do all my homework in that area and for granted some people might be like oh okay I don't I don't need to know that's fine but I think you should be knowing that especially if you're working in black spaces or around we've got, you've got black employees 100% you should be yeah. That, yeah. That, that is your that is part of your job that attitude of it's 2020 we've all as a country and as a, as a people learn everything we need to know. We've reached yeah. mass, maximum capacity. We've got everything right now. Uh, again, I don't want to like keep bringing it back to myself, but it's like one of the things I wanted to do today is to just talk about like, my own experiences and try and relate them to things that were going on. Um, it's just, yeah, I guess the, the constantly having to explain to people and how defensive people get about mm-hmm. i remember I, I, I remember having this i, I don't want to air people out but a dj when i first started we had a conversation he slid the word half cast into the conversation and I, I said to him what i thought was very relaxed i said to him oh you're not supposed to say that anymore and he yeah. saying immediately was oh no, no no well look that's why i've always said that and I, i'm not i'm not racist and to try and explain to somebody we've moved on since then, we're not having a go at you. No one is saying that you're a bad person. But like what Funk was alluding to, we have to be sensitive to what is going on and to change. And it's not acceptable anymore to say, mm-hmm. I, re- I refuse to learn and I, 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 I refuse to, ach- uh, to change or adapt to the, to, to, to the world around. We have a responsibility to each other and to ourselves. So we, we have to be open to this now and start taking on... That's a really, it's a really, really good analogy with the, the uh, I've never really thought about that before, Funk. With the, you have to constantly be aware of who you are talking to. Yeah. Yeah. Because you will get pulled up into the office and be like, oh, Marcus or Dev, you're so stupid. How could you not know? How could you? They would assume. That's the thing. It would be assumed. That's like, how could you not know? And unfortunately, and it's not unfortunate, it's, it's ridiculous. We don't even have the luxury to be, well, I'm a black guy. How would I know? It's almost, it's, it's almost yeah. like that should, be, that should be a valid excuse because that is a kind of excuse which is kind of leveled at us. Well, I'm from this part of town and how would I know? So if I say the wrong thing about, um, um, what's it called? Someone who, who, who lives in a black country and I, and I get it wrong or I, I do an accident and I get it wrong, like, and I go, oops, well, what do I know? I'm, I'm, I'm a black guy from London. It's, it's not going to save me. It's not going to save me at that, at that level of, of, of broadcasting. So there is that, like, like Dev was saying, there's a level of, of, I guess it's just arrogance of, I've learned as much as I, as I need to know and the world around me can change to accommodate rather than 
meeting them well, it's not even halfway they've got to come they've got to come a bit further yeah. now kind yeah, of you've got to come all like, the way over <laughs> yeah so, so and I think I think that's what it is and I think like he was uh, the beginning of the question in a, in a, in a long winded fashion is that we need people in those rooms who do that learning, who are prepared to do that learning, yeah. who are prepared to, to go to the ground. It's almost like, you know, when you, it, it happens in film, I guess, where they, they say, okay, we want to shoot a new, a new Bond film. And then they, they send someone out to, I guess, go to the location and check it where they can shoot in these spots. Like, yeah, it's called, is that okay? Called yeah, location yeah, research. Like, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So it's almost like you do your research on the environment that you're going to be working in. Nobody has seems to do that with that in that line of work. So, and and there's less excuse. Like there's there's no excuse. Sorry, we have such a wealth of information around us. Uh, yeah. And I just want to say the most dangerous thing you can do, listening, and all of us is to stop learning. There is zero excuse now. It's free to access information. Yeah. And you know, the, the conversations are there to be had, ask questions, talk to your black friends. You know, I've had a couple of phone calls over the last few days, with a few people that have said mm-hmm. what kind of like, you know, I, I want to help. So I've I, a personal situation, a conversation I had just before we started recording today, uh, a white person that I know who is based up North, uh, has a son, she wants to make sure and she's concerned now after watching what's happened over the last few weeks that he may not grow up to be somebody who understands race in the same way that she feels she does at this moment in time. Mm. And she asked me, what, what can I do? And I was like, you know, you have to, the, the, you can't, he's, you know, he's, you know, he's under 10 years old. He's not at an age where she can sit down and, and, you know, give him the full history. You know, we can't go back 400, 500 yeah. years right yet. He's, mm-hmm. he's, not, he's not quite ready to, to, to understand and take that all on. But I was like, that you, you need to kind of make sure that these children are saturated and immersed in an environment where, you know, you, you show that it's good to learn about others and understand so that we don't have the next generation growing into this. And whilst there's been a great progression. And when I say great, I don't mean as in great, happy. I mean, there's been a lot that's happened. There's still a, a massive way to go. Another thing yeah. I kind of wanted to ask you guys about was cause, cause, cause my response to her was I gave her a list of some reading material and, 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 and just some books that I remember resonated with me when I was very young. Um, some books that kind of addressed as a list that kind of addressed r- racism um, in a way that I could consume it. And I could understand mm-hmm. what, what prejudice was like when it came to race and, 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 and other physical attributes of humans. With regards to our future generations, what, what can we do to make sure that, you know, we keep moving in the right direction? Well, I, I should probably let Funk take over in a sec because obviously you have kids, I only have um, nieces and nephews. But with my nephew in particular, you know, he's a dark-skinned, black, like young black man. And there's ways I've conditioned him to the world that I didn't realise I was doing. But again, because of recent, because of recent times, I've, 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 had to, I've had to question it. So I took him out for the first time to a, to a nightclub uh, when he turned 18 and, you know, before lockdown and that. And I was trying to knew what I was doing is showing him the ropes. And at one point during the night, mm. there were a group of city boys making a bit of noise in one of the smoking areas. And I told him, I said, 
just remember when you come out of your boys, they're already looking for a reason to kick you out. So yeah. When you come when you come to these kind of places, like make sure you carry yourself well. I said if we went to the West End, there might have been some bullshit about you ain't got the right trainers on or you're not with girls. But already that, that felt like so confusing to bombard him with yeah. all of this. And I, and I don't even know if that was necessarily the, the, the right thing. I, I also spoke to his mum recently that on one hand, I'm trying to teach my nephew about the world and tell him what he's going to expect. But on the other hand, I'm trying to do what I can to change that so that it doesn't have to be. Another example I'll, I'll, I'll give you is he recently had his hairstyles like dreads just on top. And uh, I made a point that when he, when, he, when he speaks to me, don't have his dreads in his face. And certain times it kind of made me a bit annoyed with the way he would have his hair, his natural hair. And when I unpacked that, I'm embarrassed to say that what I realised my frustration was coming from, I don't want people to look at him a certain way. I know mm. my nephew very well. I know the type of person that he is. But I also know that the world, the way that the world sees him and also the way that the world's been conditioned to see somebody like him. Mm. I have prejudice towards my own my own, my own kin, my own people around me through mm. my experiences and, 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 and growing up. So it's this weird, like, double-pronged thing of trying to educate those around me, but also myself, man, and constantly pulling myself up on, like, where do these attitudes come from? Why am I making these decisions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's, no, that- it's hard, it's hard to, 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 to kind of feel that when you are still getting you know this treatment and i think something we can all relate to is this classic story that we all have known about walking down the street young white ladies on the same side of the street as you and as you get closer to them there's no reason for them to cross the road but the road they cross Wait, the road you know what i mean bro, i had it i had it the second time i ever did second time i ever presented the one show man i remember coming out of the studio and uh you get you get a car a nice car picking you up. So like when you do radio, you get a nice car to pick you up. And I asked the guy to pull over for a sec because I needed to use the cash point. And across the road, walked up towards the cash point. I saw a woman take her car out, look down the road, see me, put her car back in her bag. And then she just, she just left it. And look, maybe she changed her mind last minute. She decided she was going to pay on card or whatever. Who knows? But it was a very bleak reminder that regardless of me, 20 minutes ago, being on one of the biggest live shows in the country, none of that matters. None mm. of that matters. When I, when, I step out the, when I step out the door, none of that matters. It's why the situations that have happened recently in the nude with George Floyd and others, we, we, we now can't, I realise I can't afford to look away. I'm not, that affects me, that affects all of us. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, nowadays they'll just call it social distancing. So <laughs> it's a, it, and they've, another, been, they've been doing it. They've been doing it for years. Yeah. <laughs> another another thing that um has come up a lot, and I've 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 kind of been getting this in in DMs and chats, and people have been saying, "Yeah, but it's the US. Why do you care in the UK?" I'm going to presume you've both kind of come across this over the last real, few days real, as well. Real, real quick though, so to, to cut you, Marcus, I'm no, really no, 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 no. Funk on, how, on, on how you're talking to, to, to your kids about yeah. uh, what's going on. It's something I really struggle with, with with my younger nieces and nephews. I want to give them some game, but at yeah. the same time, I don't want to give them the same insecurities 
and conditioning that that I have. It's, it really yeah. does feel like a minefield. And I'm 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 glad you asked me that there because I think how you're how you're currently doing it is exactly the page I'm on. So when you talk about um, the conditioning, I've had to do a lot of soul searching and a lot of kind of unraveling and introspective thought to understand why I conduct myself in the way I do, why I'm taught to be um, um, uh, well-mannered and well-spoken, why I'm supposed to react to the compliment of you're so articulate. Why are that supposed to be like a point for me? And Mm. I've had to really unlearn a lot of my programming and teach my sons and I've, I've got I'm, I don't say unfortunately but from, from, <laughs> from a perspective of stress yeah having three black boys in London yeah is is it, it gives me it's quite scary because I've seen people move out of London and still face, like they've tried to escape the postcode thing and they still found themselves in some an- other aspect of this racism crap. You know what I mean? So it's almost like the, the, the enemy, as it were, is all around you. You begin to get paranoid and, and coming back to what, you're, what you've asked me, Dev, is that you don't know whether to arm your son, your nephew, your daughter with the attributes to survive in this world or the world you want it to become. And I identify with that completely because I feel currently that at this stage of my life, I might look the age I do now, but I feel 20 years older because I'm burnt out. If somebody said, for all intents purposes, would you retire next year, give or take if you had the money, of course I would do it. Just because <laughs> of, of sheer, just out of sheer ex- exhaustion. Yeah. I know there's some people that have a zest for life and they, they still want to go in and work and work and work. Because my work doesn't exist from when it hits nine to five, it's the mental preparation. Like, I had a conversation with... Um, um, someone who's kind of been a mentor to, to me or sorts, and uh, I think to most of us, uh, Ray Paul. And he's told me that whenever he used to walk into his workplace, he, he had to put on his armour and get ready to, for war, his metaphorical armour, to deal with the kind of the onslaught of aggressions and microaggressions that he may deal with day to day to day. That is taxing when you have to come back and try and bring some sort of positive energy back into your your family and your kid's life. And again, that kind of veers off into the, into the, the, the question about how all of this effect affects the mental health of black people. They're all interlinked. So I've chosen to adopt a strategy where if I put in the donkey work now, then at least he doesn't have to, or they don't have to, the free, the free boys, they don't have to work twice as hard as, as the saying goes. Because 
the opportunities, there'll be a, a bit more opportunities. The environment will, will be a, a little bit more accommodating to their talents. Because the one thing we still don't know is that if you take a young black boy, a young black girl with, what is it now? They, they, they market in, it's not um, A's anymore, it's nines at GCSE. And you give them whatever, 10 nines at GCSE. And then they still don't get a job, right? How do we explain that to them, that this whole lifetime that we've prepared them for, for a society which is supposed to be built on uh, being a meritocracy, and it really isn't. So it's, it's a bit of a dangerous thing where you get some parents really trying to drum home this idea of education, 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 which is all well and good if there's opportunities and a, a, fair, a fair crack at the job at the end of it. If, if the selection process at, at the end of whether it's college, um, sixth form, university, if the, if the selection process at the end of it is still rigged, we're going to burn out our kids. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why this talk is so important because the next set of black broadcasters, they may have it easier. And the next set after them, the next set after them. The next well, set we, we have it easier. We have it we easier. We do, definitely. As- yeah, as a exactly. direct result of, you know, uh, your Trevor Nelson, for example, mm-hmm. uh, you know that it was easier to play R&B and hip hop music in, in nightclubs yeah. nationally. You know? Yeah, mm. um, 100%. And like you said, the, the people who come up, the, the, the young black kids that come up after us that want a job in the industry, it's going to be easier for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not only that, I, f- I think we, I think I don't just want us to, 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 to be helping to pave the way I want us to help pave a path that other people can walk and along and follow. And I think that's a really, really big thing for, for me personally, when I think about situations like this is what can I provide for others? What, what tree can I plant that will provide shade for others when I'm not around? And, 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 and us as black people, sorry, I just put a, us as black people, I think that's one thing that I want us to come together and do and really help build for each other i want us to to help provide resource and infra yeah yeah. For, well, yeah yeah infrastructure and i want we, we need to provide resource a, for each other that's that is going to be the struggle right there right because not to keep harping on about this conditioning thing it's just something i've been thinking about a lot we are conditioned as black people in this country to feel segregated within our own communities I don't, I don't want to sort of get into how it's mm-hmm. happened, but I'll tell you this right now. By the time I was 11 years old, I was told uh, that, you know, uh, we're separated by postcode, we're separated by northeast, southwest London, we're separated by who's outside the M25 and who'd stay inside the inside of it. And if you go to any other city in the UK, they'll tell you the exact same thing. So before I've even met another black person who looks exactly like me, I've been given three, four, five reasons not to like that person, not to get along with them. Fast forward, fast forward eight, nine years when I'm a bit older and I enter into the industry, we are also, to go back to my point before, told us black people that this is now your patch, you've been given this, you are lucky, that you hold on to this and if another black person comes in through the door, you don't team up with them, you don't collaborate, you don't share ideas because they're going to take what you have and remember, there's not enough to go around and we are fed this idea that as 
especially uh, I don't talk outside of, of what I know in the entertainment industry in the UK you're told if you're a black person there is not enough room for everybody so you mm-hmm. hold on to what you have and you're but now what we're going to have to try and do is unravel all of that all of that conditioning that yeah. we aren't the same and we shouldn't be that we are somehow in competition with each other um yeah you know, uh, uh, when I'm uh, I'll be honest I've, I've 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 had it with some of my some of my peers with the success of this podcast I've had to check myself to not be jealous because I'm saying I'm fighting through that thing of that some how we've been told that we are all in competition with each other and I need to get this thing before you and we're not allowed mm. to help and collaborate with each other because that's going to jeopardise each other's plans. I don't know where this has come from, but I'm realising that th- th- these are the things that we need to unpack and get rid of. We do need to collaborate and talk more and support each other. 100%. I yeah. think by, by, by building for each other and building you know, houses of, 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 of help for each other, across the board, then I think that will help to do that. Cause then it, it will be less of like you said, Dev, you know, you've got this one opportunity and another black man comes in the room, one opportunity. And there's two brothers there who, who who's getting that there's there. We need to create more, more um, opportunity for each other. So I think that's, that's a really important part of us moving forward. And I mean, I think it's, it's a Martin Luther King quote where in society, I think for a, a very important point you both come across is we are um, given opportunities uh, and we're kind of told that we should make, you know, make the best of what you got. And I believe it's a Martin Luther King quote where he talks about um, you could tell a man to lift himself up by his own bootstraps, but it's cruel to say that to a man, you know, who's bootless. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so whilst we are, we are told, uh, you know, Oh, you know, there's equal opportunities out there. You just got to try harder. You know, you've got to get out there. Or, or some some people who have owned media companies this week have said, you know, uh, we want to employ black people. You just have to apply and and let me know where you are. The truth nah, of the matter. <laughs> <laughs> so I can, like, I can see myself triggering funk. I can see myself triggering yeah, funk because like, I said it. No, <laughs> trigger alert. <laughs> no, do you know what it is? Do you know what it is for me? Yeah. Yeah. I tell you. I tell you what it is for me. I, I look at it like. I, I look at it like certain industries where yeah. if there's specific sought after talents, yeah, it's undeniable. So, so let's say for existence, I, you need, you need a really, really sick rapper on the track and you're just like, Oh, well, like I want to talk to DWE or I want to talk to Stormzy. I want to talk to like, like, um, do you know what I mean? You, you've, mm. you've, you've already earmarked that person for your track. Yeah. Right. You don't open out the application process to everyone. Why would mm-hmm. you? You've mm-hmm. already not. You've you've already um, by design factored that person into that role. So why do we constantly feel like that that is happening? So I know there's that word um, performative, which which gets like thrown about. That for me, when brands do that, is very 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 performative because it's almost like what I'm going to do is. I'm going to get that person for the role. I don't know who that person is, but I'm going to let everyone else know that I'm searching for them. Okay? So I'm going to put the feet... Listen, when Arsenal are sending their scouts and Man United are sending their scouts, they're quiet and they go out and they get the guy and before you know it, this is the person, he's a right back, he's going to do this job. This is the person, they're not going to ask us. 
I'm going to see it in a classified ads at the back of the paper. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there, mate. <laughs> Funk, Funk trials for Arsenal. <laughs> so that's the thing. I, I think when they do that, it's so disingenuous because, again, they have no idea of the talent which, it, which they need for the role. But what they, need, what they know they need is a black face. So it's just like, well, I don't know if they need to be good at that or good at that or good at... I don't know the attribute because I don't understand black people. But I know, let's just roll the dice, get a black person in the room and see what we get. And that's what's happening when, when they do those, those processes of, 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 of getting um, the... Oh, diversity this, diversity... There was a couple of years ago, diversity inclusion, diversity inclusion, bane, bane, bane. Bane, bane. I was thinking, what is that? Even that term itself. Bane. I'm, I'm like, okay, well, I'm black. <laughs> this person's, um, I'm black and I'm, like, I've got I'm of Ghanaian heritage. This person's from India. This person's from Pakistan. <laughs> this person's from Japan, even. Hmm. Okay, um, a bit confused. Why have you grouped us all in together? Some ethnic Avengers. Like, what are we <laughs> supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's so lazy. It's, 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 it's almost like at school where it was like, okay, year 11 versus the rest in the playground. What do you mean the rest? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so cheap. Like, I remember it. I, I, used to love, I used to love it when I used to get to year 11 because yeah. it didn't make you feel powerful. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're year, and, you, and you throw the little kids to the side. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they, could, they couldn't get the ball, yeah. But that's what this is like. This is year 11 versus the rest. Like, we're a team, right? We're the white team. BAME versus BAME. It's just like, what? You tell me you can't have a, 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 a black team uh, um, and a Southeast Asian team. Uh, uh, why, why not? Yeah. Of course you can. Of yeah. course you can. But if, it's, if, it's, um, if, if the energy behind it is to market the fact that, hold on, hold on, we need to be seen to be on the pulse here that we're dealing with this problem let's create this because I don't I've never understood that term minority ethnic group there's more Chinese people in this world do you call, like if I was Chinese I'd be hella mad you know I'd be like what there's one billion of us you call it minority you're taking a piss <laughs> hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight 
the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Jeez. <laughs> oh, man. You have to laugh sometimes because I guess that's, that's our coping mechanism for these things. Of course. It's, it, but, um, I, I, I posted a, a little clip today for Michael uh, Che, like comedians, even Dane, Dane Baptiste. Like, they've got a brilliant knack um, of being able to take societal problems and highlight the, 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 the satire in it and just, just we're laughing at how ridiculous it is kind of thing. But realistically, it's, they're packaging it us for, for us to really pay attention and, and draw out the, 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 the inner narrative of, of what is happening kind of thing. And I guess like, they're doing the best they can within their art form to bring, um, to illuminate some of these, these, these ridiculous situations. But now there comes to the talking stage and I'm tired. Like, like, like you say that about the, um, the notion of kind of putting this, putting it to the people. We need to get this in there. We need to get this. Like we already, the industry as it were, already has an awareness of those individuals because they were probably always doing that role or always doing that job. So if you wanted that person to fulfill that role, you can get them in like that. It's, it's, it's not going to be difficult because it'd only be difficult if you were never paying attention. And that, I guess that is the point of the discussion. If when you talk to me as a black person, I kind of nod off unless you're singing. Like you're singing to me, you're rapping, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, engage. And then you, you start talking about your racism and I just go, oh. Yeah, if you're doing that in the industry, then you're never going to find that person. And that's why I always implore everyone in the music industry or anyone in, in any professional capacity, diversify your conversation. Because if they say to you, keep it this, and then you keep it on that topic, you only talk about music, you only talk about sport, you only talk about these times. Me, I, I love Gary Lineker. I love Gary, because Gary Lineker talks about what the hell he wants. And if he didn't, where, how, how would some of, these, some of these subjects get into the living rooms of people? Yeah. Just, yeah. And, and I think it's so key. Yeah. They're always onto him. No, no, this isn't match of the day. This isn't football. Why are you showing us, like, black kids getting beaten up? It's just like, no, you're, you're going to take this. Yeah. And what he does is he throws it at them and then he's, he goes back to work. He throws it. So I'm just like, I'm empowered by that. I'm emboldened by the fact that this guy is, is doing it. And if you really want an idea of true uh, equality, it has to exist in a, in a case where, back to what Dev was saying with our children, we teach children that you all have the same capabilities. Not that the black child, when he gets to the same um, age as Gary Lineker in broadcasting, that if he was to conduct himself in that manner, he risks losing his job. He has to have the same vigor and, and support and confidence that I can say this because this is wrong, 
and it still gets me a job. Like you, like you said, these discussions are very important at times because I guess I do have to, on some level, accept that everyone's experience, everyone's entry to the, the question and the problem of racism of is course. different. Of course. So you may have to do some re- re-explaining of yourself in some spaces. And, but I completely understand why some people are exhausted and they, they don't want to talk about this anymore. I think there's, um, there's a book titled that um, I, don't want to talk, I don't want to talk about racism to, to white people anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, why I'm, why I'm not, yeah. I'm not talking to, yeah. That's it. Why I'm, yeah, why I'm not. So, like, that title is, is pretty self-explanatory because it's a very tiresome process when you look at the fact this is 400 years in the making. Yeah. And well, I've even had the, I've even had some white friends with you with the best of intention, mm. sort of check in on me and be you know is everything all right and uh you know I was just wondering how I could I just I, I I'm just a bit over now the onus falling on us to educate mm. and I know that the theme that keeps coming up is being tired and just worn down. But then, see, that, that was a difficult one for me because on one hand, someone's trying to change. It's like the David Getter um, performance the other day. I don't know if you guys saw the David... Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was yeah, so the best intention yeah. in the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, he had he all the best intentions so in the world. Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think for all intents and purposes, white people need to take it on the chin, really, because we've, we've had to deal with it. You give it, a, you give it a, your best shot, yeah? If you get it wrong, you go again. You get it wrong, you go yeah. again. We've had to do that. Yeah. That's been the story of our existence. You get yeah. it wrong, you go again. Oh, you're not good enough, go again. Hey, you haven't got the right shoes on, go home, get dressed. Like, we've <laughs> had to do that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's yep. been the story of our very existence. <laughs> yeah. So as much as I can be accommodating and understanding, it, I have to be very um, consistent, for, for, and just from my perspective, in my message of, Okay, learn, learn again, learn again. What you do not get to do, you don't get to leave the exam hall until you finish the paper. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So you, you, crack, you have a go at the question, you have a go at the question, keep going, keep going, keep going. Like, you're not leaving the exam hall because we didn't have to, we didn't get a chance to. Mm. We exist in this examination room and we have to keep going, keep going, keep going. You bring your degree, you bring your experience, you bring your this, you bring your, 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 your best uh, dressed, come in all your finery and all that kind of stuff. And you're still getting a no. What do you do? You try again. Yeah. And, that, and that's literally been our experience. So yeah. the David Guetta thing, he, he ran, went for the jump, ah, and he fell flat. And he said, he's got to get up and then, and then go for yeah. it again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just simple. Yeah. No, well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate him. I don't hate him at all. I don't hate him. It was, it was a lovely gesture. It was just yeah, I'm up, really I'm up on that now. That's a, that's a bad way to kind of try and do a remix squitter. Just leave, like, don't do that, bro. That's <laughs> yeah, the worst yeah. squitter remix I've seen in my but, life. But this is um, what... Uh, so this is another conversation, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that situation... That, I mean, that conversation is very close to my industry of work in terms of house music yeah. and the way that black voices are used on records as an aesthetic to um, provide um, some sort of um, authenticity. Yeah. Yes. That is yes. Like, the, the, like a black 
female voice is the sound of house music. The, it's like when the you, black female voice or someone who's, who is a protest uh, a speaker. Because yeah. the, the art form is born out of protest. It's, it's, it's black, gay and Latino uh, people, men, sorry, who are marginalised from mainstream clubbing. So they built up their own community, their own sound, and they were raving. Now, yeah. to kind of, I guess, honour, they just put on, they, they sprinkled that voice on there like a source. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. It's not. Like, the black artist is, is still attached to a human being with an experience and whatnot. We need to be stopped using as some sort of garnish that you just put on the art form to, to do this, to do that, to do that. Well, and it's been happening. Again, it's been, yeah. Again, these, these conversations are so vital, man, because... I saw that as a thread that you, you'd put on Twitter the other day. And, you know, I've been buying records since I was 12 years old and been in the music industry for a while. And it's something I've never even, it never even crossed my mind before mm. that, you know, that we're sort of able to create this whole sound and people have made whole careers and made a lot of money and those artists aren't even credit for it. Yeah. yeah. We don't and even again, see, see them. You no. Know? And that's, and that's, and that's the, the saddest thing. And again, I don't want to divert this into some sort of witch hunt because that is, a, that is a waste of energy as well. It's more about you expose the problem and then you find a solution very quickly because otherwise you can get bogged down in, on um, a certain blame to, well, this one done it, this one done it, this, this one's responsible. Like, for the large portion, people know who the culprits are, okay? Now, we need to find out a way to, um, uh, to compensate those who have pretty much have co- had careers like tarnished and put on hold because they were so invisible for so long that they've been forgotten. And a way to make sure that the necessary people are in the room to make sure that doesn't happen again. Now, if you exist as a label in rap, um, grime, house, techno, R&B, you name it, and you don't have the necessary progressive voices to project a reality of what that sound represents, where it's coming from, the community is coming from. And for example, just, just out of, um, uh, just, just, just to, just to portray, um, a, um, what do you call it? Like a, a mine's gone blank. Just to portray an, a, a, an, uh, an example, which is proper out there, really out there is if I took a bango sound. Yeah. And, I literally projected a whole heap of black faces mm. and I didn't pay any, like, and literally I pushed that into the mainstream. Like that was the first, like, let's say banger tune, which made it into the mainstream community and the community I reflect in the video isn't indicative of where the sound comes from. It would be uproar clearly. A hundred percent, and yeah, hundred percent. And, and, and that's and that's not just to just to to say that the uh, about the community involved. It's it's more a case of it doesn't respect. 
in any way, shape or form its roots. And it tries to do that by saying somewhere along the line, someone black got money from it. So you should be okay with it. That's the problem. I think the, 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 the narrative that in all of this, there's a black person that got some change that should placate people and be like, oh, okay, well, well, this person became a millionaire. Yeah. Well, I, don't, I don't know if it's, um, I don't know if it's like moving the conversation too far away from it, but it, one thing that's always made me feel uncomfortable in mainstream music industry is the hysteria around a white artist who can do black music mm-hmm. and something i've said and i love these artists i'm about to talk about as well talking about adele ed Sheeran, and justin bieber um that as talented as they are you could walk into a black church in america and pick anyone out of the choir who would sing circles around those yeah. people and again whether we want to address it or not one of the things why we're so impressed about Adele when she opens her mouth and she sings, she doesn't look like she's supposed to sound like that. Yeah. And I feel like the way a lot of that music is received, black music even in itself is a quite dirty term for Middle England. When One Extra mm-hmm. first started, our tagline was home of new black music. And that made a white audience feel very uncomfortable because it was maybe for the first time a lot of them felt excluded from something that you've always been told is just yours. Everything is mm. your, a, 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 a British person, I'm talking about myself and this, you're sort of grown up. It's that empire mentality of all, I deserve to have a little bit of that as well. And um, so to the point where we sort of had to drop that term, black music, because it made people so uncomfortable. But when I've, when I've thought about that, why is that term, why is that term not okay? That's where the yeah. music comes from. It's music of black origin. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It shouldn't make you feel uh, uncomfortable. Equally, it's changed a lot now. But when I first started on mainstream radio, the type of music that was revered was the novelty. I'm talking about hip-hop and rap, R&B songs, the ones that were novelty, that were had a dance that went along with it, or the guy had a you know, a a name you could take the piss out of. The discussions around these artists and the music on the network, what they weren't, these weren't, I don't feel that they were given the due respect Mm. some some other artists were given. And that the more conscious and the more, I guess, uh, people who were speaking about black issues or black pride, those were the more late night records you would save that for, for more of a specialist show. When I saw the clear change was I've, I'm going to say like an artist like Tiny Temper who regardless of the type of music he was making sort of became became bigger then is he making rap is he making hip hop or grime or whatever sort of became bigger than that but to touch on something that Funk said earlier the attitude that I got from people middle England Tiny Temper will accept him because Tiny's polite and you know, when he's in an interview, he's very well-mannered. And I remember that bothering me, but it's almost like you needed a tiny temper on TV to, so that we can now arrive at a big nasty as well. Yeah. The other end yeah. of the spectrum. And yeah. here's what I want. I want 
tiny and big nasty, and I want everyone in between. Yeah. So yep. that we have all these different representations of black people so that it's not just playing into the stereotypes, the negative stereotypes as well. Um, and equally with the music, I want to see it all represented. I want to hear drill on main uh, on mainstream radio, and I also want to hear a young black person talking about their plight and their struggle in the country. I don't understand why that would be so difficult for an audience to to understand. And if but like, then when when do we start making that shift to yeah. as well as celebrating and reflecting some of the maybe more negative or nefarious aspects of our culture, can we also start pushing the stuff that, you know, celebrates yep, yep. the positive? Yeah, counterculture. And that's what, right. that's a, a term I've been, um, like, saying, even since the, um, I was talking about the, the knife crime and the youth violence thing a couple of years back, that if people are worried about certain types of music and it, it having a negative effect, let's say, because music has an effect on people, whether people will choose to admit that or not, it does. It, it lifts your mood. It, it can make you feel angry. It can make you feel sad. People, people have sex to it kind of thing. It, 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 it really, to say that music doesn't influence mood is, is, is dismissive anyway. So in that, I'm a person that, I can blatantly see that there's an overwhelming majority of black music dedicated to this kind of mood. That's all. And rather than be like, oh, we need to ban this, but some people talking about banning, I don't want to ban anything. I think you need to comp compensate it by getting the rest of the spectrum of, of the moods on there, which reflects on the black experience. Black funny songs, black love songs, black... Um, um, ballads and all black jazz black all these other aspects which they they just are, are just chucked into the the underground sphere of oh well that's 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 underground or we'll, we'll chuck it on on um wherever radio two or, or whatever kind of thing so that, why, why does it have to be on there why well why does it have to be played by um um a specific tastemaker who then dictates the narrative of the kind of people who should be listening to that music. So, for example, it's almost as if you make the music, but the music is audience can then get funneled depending upon which DJ who breaks it. So I can make some real angry anti-establishment shit, yeah? And depending upon who plays it, it can go either way. Now, if I get a debut with, let's say, Charlie Sloth, yeah, it could go one way. If I get a debut on my record, the same record with Giles Peterson, it goes a completely different way. It's perceived in a whole different... And that, for me, I'm like, you see, them realistically, that's why that whole drill conversation and it, and it being um, negative, all that kind of stuff, it, it's... It's not really because if a certain DJ, a respected, a DJ with, with or a tastemaker who had an image about him, which is completely counter to what the music represents, he could almost smother that in in he or she's cloak of 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 image and push it in a completely different direction. 
So that's why I've always been, I've always been like fascinated how you get some acts who are seen as really cool and edgy and hip and then other acts who, they've got the same energy and they're seen as, oh, that's ghetto, that's, that's hood, they belong on that YouTube channel, they're, they're a bit like, they're lowbrow. But this one is, oh, they're highbrow, they're really pushing the art form. Look at culturally, they're, they're, they're shaking boundaries. We're saying the same thing, really. But the packaging is obviously based on the vehicle, which is, which is which, where it's coming from. And but coming back to your thing about, about black music, um, is the thing I always uh, respond to people is that when you go takeaway, black music is, 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 by definition, is where it has originated from. It doesn't mean it is not in, um, uh, inclusive of everyone. And people know that because everyone is involved in black music. Same way, when you go to a Chinese shop and you order the meal, they don't say, no, because you're not Chinese. They allow you to eat it, but they don't yeah. allow you to try and say, like, well, I'm just going to call this food for all people. <laughs> no, it's not. This is Chinese food. And, it, and, and it's very simple. When you start hitting people with that, that rationale, when you go to the Indian and you get your chicken tikka, it's Indian foods. What are you going to do? Argue with the man that your food will get cold, mate. <laughs> Take your Indian food, yeah, and go home and eat it. Enjoy it go already. Enjoy it. <laughs> go and enjoy it. You enjoy the black music, just go and enjoy it. Why are you standing here back and forth on about the title of it? Because I know afterwards you're going to go back to your Spotify list and listen to some more black music. Mm. But I understand because when you can claim a title, when you can really, it's, there's, an, there's a level of encroachment that happens that once we begin to redefine certain terminology, then the power shifts. The thing I liked about the blackout thing the other day, which, again, some people were for, some people were against, as, as you well know, some people had different interpretations of it, is that it meant that big, big, huge companies were using the word black in their press releases. From that point onwards, we can leverage it. It's almost like, aha, we've got you now. You call it black. It's like yes or no game. It's like, uh, there you got me, yeah? kind of thing. They've said it now. So any conversation which comes back off of that, we can lay claim to the fact you've admitted that this art form, whatever, these people need to be represented. Therefore, going by your commitment, unless you want to see, be seen as a, a, a hypocrite and your brand integrity wants to be questioned, you have to do that. You have to commit to that. So I was, I was always looking at it like this moment is never going to happen. Because when Dominic Cummings sat there and, are you going to apologise? Are you going to apologise? Are you going to apologise? Did you, did you, are you sorry for going to Dome? Are you going to apologise? Like, nah, nah. He was, he was bobbing and weaving. Bobbing and weaving. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't apologise once. Yeah. And that for him was a, was a victory, yeah? We've been trying to do this for companies. Are you playing? No, 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 no. Urban, urban, urban. They hit us with an urban fireball. It's, oh, shit. Right? Now they've said black. It's like, ah, oh, we've got you now. We've got you. You can't say urban again. Yeah. Every, every plugger has to kind of go through their little template and da, 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 and take out that urban thing and chuck it. Find and music. replace. They have to do find yeah. and replace. <laughs> because that's what it is. Yeah. That's the in industry definition for it. 
it's almost like you get to a point in in um in terminology where okay where um um oh, what what's the um the old term is it crb check no one uses that in the industry now it's now dbs yeah you know what i'm just saying so that's dated so it's like that's a dated term now urban we're going to move forward everyone's going to say black yeah. music black music and you know what falls under that umbrella cool we move forward and it's and it's really about pushing this thing and 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 really 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 just applying pressure in all of our spaces kind of thing. oh someone catches you in the corridor oh marcus have you got that new urban trip no nope. it's black before they even finish what mm. so they they begin to understand do you know what i mean in all those spaces everyone needs to be doing their part to push the narrative the old habits kind of for, like out of out of um existence and pushing the, the 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 progressive nature of the movement because this is all about in my opinion about decision making and making sure that okay even if you if possible and I, I don't even like the the concept of this but even if there is a possibility where you have still a room full of all white people in a in a in a black music environment they now know that they can't do these things because of what what will what will happen to whatever their 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 sales and their, their profit margins but that that level of uncomfortability has never probably existed before yeah. what a black yeah. singer yeah man we just put a cartoon character they don't yeah. mind that what, a black <laughs> singer just just put a, put a white girl there to, to to mime the words that's 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 fine I'm, i mean he's getting paid isn't he he's getting paid he's getting paid it's, it's cool it's cool everyone's everyone's all right yeah and then when they talk to the black person and with the, like, let's say the black artist or the producer who's in, in the record, maybe they themselves in that environment and this is on an artistic level, the artists need to obviously push and make sure that, hey, get the right people, the right representation in the video kind of thing. Yeah, they need to give, give that power back to artists because a lot of those decisions are clearly made artists. It's, out, it's not if they even get looking on it, you know? Yeah. But I, I do, but it, this comes back to the conditioning that Dev was saying, because I, I feel for the artist, because if you have a belief that if you speak out at the wrong time, you lose that, that support, that backing. Yeah, you're, you are going to keep quiet. And there's a lot of heavy hitters on social media that haven't really spoken up on this issue. They're going to go back to their promo role. And as much as people can be angry at them and, and whatnot, you have to really understand what, it's like when at that stage of their career, there's very few black decision makers to support them in the room when they, when they speak up and they say, oh, well, I'd like to shoot the video in, in, in Ghana, for example. I'd like to have, I'd like to wear all kente cloth in my video or, or whatever your, your requirement is to reflect the authenticity of your art form. If there's no one in the room to kind of back you on that, but there's a, there's a kind of, subtle way where they they kind of bring you around to their way of thinking well i don't know if the market's really ready for this um you know i mean I can't be realistic who's who knows about foo-foo <laughs> do you know what i mean and 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 then you and then you're just like oh okay, okay. Uh, yeah yeah maybe maybe you're right maybe you're right maybe you're right and then you begin to backtrack and you begin to kind of retract all your artistic requirements 
But that is happening everywhere where the support in those instances, you don't feel it. So you don't feel the, 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 the energy, the courage in the moment. You don't get that, that rush of adrenaline of, I can say this. And largely that energy, in the, in the black spaces, that energy comes predominantly from a lot of black women. A lot of black women have the energy to call it out and then they're not backed. Yeah. And that's why I, I, I said, and, I've, and even for my position, I apologise from being a kind of an overseer and not, maybe not speaking up hard. I've always spoke up, but maybe not speaking up hard enough to bang that jump because a lot of them have laid their careers on the line and it's, it's been detrimental to them where they've spoken up because unapologetically they want to be themselves and they've been told, well, you're a bit too dark or we yeah. don't like your hair like that in the video or yeah. Yeah. Can, 100%. can you straighten your hair? Yeah. hundred percent. And, and I think we can all be guilty of, of, of not supporting others enough and, and that's a mistake that, that we can all change and move forward with again like you know this is conventionally a podcast where we do weave in tech and, and tech conversations and whilst I and I have had open conversations with a few of the team I think definitely with you Funk a few times talking about do you know what in terms of diversity how many women do we do we invite onto the show to join us do you know and like apart you know mm. and and and, and are we just inviting women for women's sake? No, like, like, do you know what I mean? So when we have people on like Lucy Hedges or Ramel London, you know, people that are in entertainment and, and also, you know, leaders in, 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 in their areas, regardless of not using their female attribute, you know, it's, it's something that as, as men, we need to be aware of supporting as well because it's mm. one thing being a black man, being a black woman in 2020. I yeah, can't comp- I yeah. can't I cannot comprehend. Dave Chappelle's yeah, got some great content around that like and yeah. I, I can't even remember the joke but like I cannot even begin to comprehend so you know yeah. well whilst uh, this is a conversation where we're trying to look at how we can better ourselves as people you know as free men I think to to better ourselves by you know holding up black women as well and supporting them where we can you know is is important too man let's look after our let's look after our people let's look after our women man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a real dogfight. And I think because this encompasses so many industries, like someone said the other day, like, where, where are the black characters in computer games even? Do you know what I mean? So it's, 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 so, it's such a wide-ranging conversation because we're still waiting for our Lara Croft. We're still waiting for the, the, what Lara Croft meant to... In, in terms of a, a female uh, protagonist driving in the game and we're still waiting for that black character on, on the game of a, of a major title that is just, is just lucrative and everyone goes out and, oh, you, you got the new so-and-so game kind of yeah. thing. One, one, Quest, that, one Quest, that isn't Quest a G man. though. One that isn't a Quissy man. <laughs> one, that is, one, that isn't, one that isn't a gangster though, yeah? Like, you know, because exactly. he's had a, had a couple of licks, yeah, but let's have a Quissy man. <laughs> yeah, Quissy man. Quissy's quest. <laughs> so what, we're still waiting for Quissy's quest, uh, a black man who is intelligent and he's just uh, a, a, an adventurer and he, he has to fight and, and he's a hero. Yeah. And you control him. Yeah. I don't want to see a game here where, like, 
do, do you know what really, really saddened me, yeah? A couple of years ago, obviously, FIFA brought out the journey. Now, people are mad, not at the, 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 the game dynamics of that FIFA game. They're mad because the journey character, you have to be a black guy. <laughs> <laughs> now you know how... Okay, yeah, yeah. This, this, this edition of FIFA, I'm, I'm scrolling my time. Like, oh, why, why are people angry? These times, obviously, we're still on Twitter. Why are people angry? Is it, FIFA too expensive? Yeah, man, it's too expensive. Well, what is it like? The passing isn't isn't that accurate, or what, what is it? It's not not it hasn't got the right celebrations in it. No, these are mad because there's a black guy that you have to control and you can't edit him. You can't go into like the the, the character setting and 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 change his, his his complexion quickly and and his features. You can't. You have to play it as that that black guy. I guess from a racist mindset. It must be quite infuriating taking a black boy on a journey of success. <laughs> it's like, ah! <laughs> it was like, this is a nightmare for me. Oh, like, there nightmare. better be a prison option. Yeah. Oh, players, <laughs> That's like giving a man a Jacob's cracker in hell, man. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Drying um, up. Right. Yeah. And, it's, and, it's, and I think that in itself is why these conversations are so important because we've got yeah. a hell of a lot of uh, a long way to go because we need to get those people in those rooms. I don't know. I don't know who they are, but the people within those industries, whether it's gaming, entertainment, all aspects of tech, all aspects of entertainment period, they know who their specialists, uh, men and women are. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, we can, we, <laughs> Like, I, I just find that hilarious because it's such a, a, well, now you know how it feels moment. But, you know, <laughs> we, we, need to see, <laughs> we need to see more like, you know, was it the, the Watchmen series that dropped at the end of two, 2019 yeah, with, yeah, Regina, exactly, with Regina yeah. King? That proved the point. Brilliant. Not to yeah. me, but I feel like to skeptics that, you know, we can have strong lead female black characters that mm. bring an amazing show for you to watch. Do you know what I mean? And, and, I think Watchmen really kind of hit, hit the nail on the head in terms of showing us what kind of content we're missing out on, what kind of greatness we're missing out on by missing out in diversity on, on shows. And fuck, that was a good watch, actually. I might have to watch that again. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a good Watchmen. But um, I suppose it's kind of, we've covered a lot today and I, I'd, I'd like to say I want to continue the conversation, guys, off yeah. mic and also... I'd like to continue on mic and I feel like I want to say to the, to the white people that are listening to this, um, take it in, man. Like listen to conversation, not just this, you don't have to listen to this podcast again, but, but listen to other people's conversations. Like there's, you, if you don't know what to do, there's nothing wrong with contacting somebody and and having a conversation. And, And there's a lot of black people that you may try and contact that are feeling quite tired and stressed and, may not want to open up as much as as you want to get the answers that you need but there's nothing wrong with 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 continuing to try and learn and and try and reach out to 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 other people because i think we need without sounding you know cheesy but we need unity and and that begins through having conversation and let's let's use the word black man Black people, yeah, yeah. Not to, not, not to, not to cut you, Marcus. I know no, some people don't like this. Um, they don't like this comparison or this analogy. But you know, look, man, I'll tell you, as a young black man getting into the industry, I was, <clears throat> I was told by my peers and by a lot of the music that I listen to, 
how my attitude was supposed to be towards gay people. And we had anthems in some nightclubs that I used to go to that actively promoted not just hatred, but violence and murder towards gay people. And it was only through working and listening to a gay person's experience that I realized how much of my behavior that I had to check. And it, same as uh, what it was like to be a woman in, in, in this industry or the difference, uh, uh, one of my co-hosts uh, commented on, I had a bit of a crazy, so I don't use that word. I had a bit of a uh, enthusiastic stalker. And she asked me one time if I was worried if the stalker was gonna be waiting for me outside work one time. I said, no, I said, at worst, at best, rather, I could outrun them, whoever it is. <laughs> and, you know, my female, my female colleague was like, right, it must be nice, basically. And I'd, I'd, at that point, I'd never even considered the connotation of how much more threatening that is as a woman to have somebody writing you mm. letters and saying that they're going to come with mm. you. But the point I'm trying to make is this understanding, it came from listening, not from trying to interject or trying to have a competition of who's had it worse off and who's had the odds stacked against them the most. And just to add on, Mar on Marcus's point, you don't have to agree with anything. And maybe you don't have to change, all right? But these conversations are going to keep on happening. And it's different now. It's different. Mm -hmm. it's, the, 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 the horse has left the stable. That's it now. Mm -hmm. We feel empowered we feel like these type of conversations are okay. And I know certainly for me, I feel like I have a responsibility to keep this kind of thing going. I've been thinking a lot about 15, 20, 30 years from now, how do I want to look back at this period of time? How do I want to look, at, look back at it and go, how did I contribute towards making something change for the positive? And I think we're already doing it. It, whatever little steps it might be, I think we're already doing it. Hundred percent. And maybe ask yourself, where do you, where what do you want to say you did when this happened? Mm -hmm. As well, yeah. And ask I think um, also as well. I think my message for the the white listeners that are listening, I think I would like to say thank you because I think already you're showing a commitment to begin to educate yourself on a subject that, for whatever reasons, you may not have fully understood. But if you're willing to channel yourself into a platform that you was already a fan of and begin to learn and understand what it has taken us to even be able to do what we're all doing now, um, that's a start because then you can become more appreciative of, of situations. I, I mean, like um, Dev just said, I've... I work in an industry which is literally off the backs of um, uh, black, gay and Latino experiences, but many people do not know that. And obviously that makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm not a gay black man, but it makes me feel uncomfortable that even their struggle, which has afforded me a career, it, it still isn't amplified as to as to where it comes from as to so if they feel that way kind of thing you you, you can imagine how like the black experience must feel as a whole and also i would just like to add that 
white people need to understand that we are all, we're not a monolith. We don't have some homogenous mindset and setting. You will definitely find black Trump supporters, you know, and, and that's that. That's, that's, that's cool because we have to be cool with the idea that we are such a diverse people, even in our thinking. Okay. But what we won't tolerate is the unfair practices which that don't factor us in anyway. So yeah. even when you get a, a, a black Trump supporter, he's not, he's not a Trump supporter by, by choice, by definition. He's been conditioned to. You know what I mean? That, and I think that's a very, very, very important fact that the circumstances where you would get someone who is black, who aligns himself politically with those kind of mindsets is very different from someone who is white and literally is drawn into that community. They're very, 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 very different um, points of entry. So I would take that into, into consideration that for someone to be like, oh, well, some of you black guys are okay with the current situation. You have to understand the circumstances which is created that mindset which would make them okay with that situation. I guess it's a form of Stockholm Syndrome in some instances. Yeah, 100%. I think to be black in the UK a lot of times is Stockholm Syndrome. So I've been, mm-hmm. I've been unpacking a lot of that. In fact, even just having these type of conversations for me have been very cathartic. Uh, the, the theme I've seen with a lot of the people that I've worked with for years who I've never heard talk about any of this is pain. Mm-hmm. Once the anger had subsided, it was like the pain. And um, yeah, I don't, I just, that, that for me has been very powerful. It's also prompted me to feel like it's okay for me to open up and for me to talk about stuff, maybe for the first time ever. Mm. But yeah, I, I think the, the white people listening to the white audience that's, that we've had from, from our own individual platforms and, and, and collectively as, um, on How to Kill an Hour, just, just thank you and just, just, keep, just keep pushing. We've got to get this over the line because this benefits yeah. all of us. Whether you yeah. can see it now or not, this does benefit all of us. There's, there is a common thread running through it because like I said at the, at the beginning of the, of the show, that the diverse mix of people on the street writing is because the pain is common now. So thank you for those who are kind of taking a step further to try and understand. I guess it's similar to when we had the instances in, um, on 9-11 in America and some people had been oblivious to religion. They, they knew there was Muslims, they knew there was Christians, they knew there was Hindus, knew there were Sikhs. They didn't understand why a group was frustrated and all that. And then you begin to learn, you begin to understand, you be- more things become highlighted and you begin to understand the bigger picture. Not to, 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 to necessarily pick a side, but to, to have a, a greater level of understanding as to what is offensive and what isn't. Because up until that point in time, um, I mean, you've got... Um, going back a bit, you got like Salman Rushdie when he, when he wrote his book and he offended a, um, a, um, the Muslim community and, and he had to go into hiding. So, 
He had a fat. He had a fatwa put out. Yeah, he had a fatwa. So mm. that's there's a level of arrogance sometimes from people in in those positions where they can do what they want, where when they want, and it doesn't have ramifications, especially on a group that have already been metaphorically beaten up over the years. Not even metaphorically, literally beaten up for well over 400 years. So, mm. yeah, it's, um, but it's, it's, it's good that a lot more people than I've ever, ever felt before are willing to educate themselves because, yeah. like I said, this lockdown has been the perfect storm. What else is there to do with your furlough money? You might as well read. <laughs> <laughs> Buy some books. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, in terms of resources, uh, I was, I mean, there's a great number of resources out there for people. Like, you know, if you really want to educate yourself, wow. it is blacklivesmatters.card, C-A-R-R-D dot co dot C-O. So Black Lives Matters with a S dot C-A-R-R-D dot C-O. Now, uh, what's pretty cool on it, guys, uh, is you can obviously, you know, learn. There's ways you can educate. There's information about protesting. Um, there's also ways you can donate. And, and one of my favorite uh, things that I saw is, is I understand that, like you said, Frank, we're, we're, you know, we're on the edge of a world recession right now. It's, it's going to happen, right? Mm. So mm-hmm. people have not got all the money. You can actually donate with no money um there's actually uh, so what it is is there's actually a link to a mm. youtube playlist of videos and all of those videos are donating all of their results uh, sorry all all of their um ad re- revenue to mm. black lives matters uh charities and and things to help out with scenarios happening within the uh, us at the moment and and generally across the world and what's great is no one's ever wanted to watch ads as much as they do now. <laughs> the more ads you watch, <laughs> the more you're helping. <laughs> so um, that's really, you know, that's, it's a really clever way. Um, and uh, there's a number of videos, there's music, there's conversation, there's, there's original content. And you can just slap that playlist on and enjoy it, educate yourself, and you're giving back. I mean, like, it's great. It's, per- it's perfect, you know. If, and if you haven't got much to give that's a way you can give and also, you know, learn at the same time. It, you know, the definitely things, just to add on to that, yeah. with that, um, the, the show we did with Cammy. Yes, like, yes, yes. It's a really good example of, you know, somebody talking about something, an issue yeah. that I feel like previously has been swept over. Yeah. You know, and you would assume somebody in Cammy's position, because he's successful, because he's so revered, he's almost immune yeah. from racism. Yeah. And, yeah. It's not, it's not really how it works. Yeah, it was episode yeah. 336. I mean, you can almost... Cammy's seen, like you said, like just what you said, Dev, like he's seen in, in entertainment as somebody who's jovial, fun, up for a laugh, up for people. Mm-hmm. O- almost, you, when you watch Cammy, they wait for him to make a blunder and he knows he's made one and it's a good one. Like Once you um, really understand what he had to experience in 1979, I think it was, playing football yeah. um, professionally, you understand what he went through and how how tough he is. So that's definitely a a, a, a good listen. Um, in, if you really want to broaden your horizons as well, thanks for reminding us about that, Funk. Because um, yeah, that was actually that's that's an episode that I've actually listened back to just to hear Cami talking about how things were. And there's a few things that we mentioned, including Dev talking about shows like Love My Love Thy Neighbor that Cami really gets into kind of how that affected 
uh, what media was like then and how that affected him as a footballer. But um, but yeah, no, thanks, thanks very much. And thanks guys for having this conversation on the podcast as well. I mean, we've had these off air and it's good to kind of uh, get this all out there. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah, I and start the conversation. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I feel like we could have gone on, could have done a lot more than this. You yeah. Know? But, um, and also like, yeah, like reach out to us guys, let us know, you know, hit, hit us up and let us know if there's anything that you want us to kind of discuss within this area. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm more comfortable just, just putting it out there, man. Let's, let's have the conversation. Let's do it, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and Funk Butcher's Twitter, definitely check that out. Cause um, he's <laughs> <laughs> dropping yeah. bombs all day long. He's dropping gems, man. <laughs> dropping gems on us. But, um, yeah, there's plenty of ways to kill some time out there. Thank you for killing some time with us. I've been Marcus Brunzi. I've been Thank Funk you. Butcher. I've been, been Dev. See you guys yeah, later, man. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.